Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, all right? So Thessalonians towards the end of the New Testament. If you get to Hebrews or Revelation, you've gone too far. Come back a few books, and um, it's just before you get to the Timothys, all right? So 2 Thessalonians, we're going to be at the end of chapter 2 in the beginning of chapter 3. I'm going to start in chapter 2, verse 13. And just to tell you a little bit about sort of set up the passage, I'm going to read it here in a second. What, what we're looking at this morning is we're looking at a prayer. Paul is going to pray for the Thessalonians. It, it's, uh, uh, he's, he's going to pray and then he's going to ask for prayer. And he, he's not in any way giving us a formula. He's just going to pray. He's just going to give thanks for them. And so I want to look not specifically at, at, the, at, at praying per se, but what does it look like to be a, a prayer? Who, who are the people that are the prayers? Who, you know, who are we as believers? And who are we praying to? Who is God and what has he done? Paul's going to uh, address these things. And, but just as an aside, I mean, prayer, we don't do that enough. You, I mean, you don't, I don't. Um, some people have anxiety about it, you know. What are the right words? What's the right stuff to pray about? Just real quick, an image. Children learning to talk, especially to their parents. So what happens when a child says their first word? Just mayhem. Parents go crazy, right? And it's nothing. I mean, it's usually not even a word. It's just a sound that sounded like a word. And then you put on, you know, you take a picture and you put it on the media and everybody has to make a big deal about it, but nobody thinks it's a big deal except for you, all right? That, uh, and the grandparents. But what makes it special is the parent and child relationship. It's what makes the communication meaningful. And prayer is the same way. So Paul, he's going to give us this picture of who we are, who who we are as the children of God, who we are as believers, and who we're praying to, and what God has done for us. And so that's what he's getting after this morning. That's what I want to look at. Uh, I'm going to start reading. I'm going to read the passage, and then we'll walk back through it. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, it says it this way, um, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, Brothers or brothers and sisters, beloved by God because God chose you as the first fruits, or maybe yours says God chose you from the beginning to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Finally, brothers, pray for us. That the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. 
And we have confidence in the Lord about this, that you are doing and will do the right, uh, do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. If you would, would you bow with me? Father, I pray you'd open our eyes and our ears and Father, your, your word would, would just penetrate right into the, the middle of our, of our life this morning. And that we'd be malleable and that your spirit would mold us today. We, we ask for all of those things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you um, uh, look, I want you to see that there's a truth here that Paul gives us that is a good truth for us to embrace as believers. He's giving thanks um, for how God has worked in the lives of the believers here in Thessalonica. And notice what it is that he says about them. So, so I'm going to have you, you can underline a few things in these first couple of verses, uh, verses 13, verses uh, 14, and, and you could write out beside it, truth to believe about myself. It's a good mirror for us as believers. It's a good place to go to see an accurate reflection of who you are. You know, you have to make sure that the mirror that you look into gives you an accurate reflection. Careful, you know, not to look into the mirrors that you, you know, you see, uh, you know, at the fair or the carnival. You know, the funny mirrors... Make you look like an alien from another planet. This is a good mirror for believers. It's a good place to see who it is that we are. But the reality is there's funny mirrors everywhere. I mean, you turn on the TV, you open your phone. And by the way, I mean, social media is a pretty terrible mirror. You know, it's easy to go to your favorite version of social media and look at it like you'd look at a mirror. Look to see your reflection. And what we see in that reflection is distorted. Here are a couple of things we see. When we see, we look at it and we go, oh, I'm angry. This is reflected. I was having a pretty normal day. And then I look into the social media mirror and it's like, oh, I almost forgot. I'm angry. I'm supposed to be angry. Here's another one. You look into the social media mirror and what you see, oh, I'm on a team and I have enemies. You know, it has a way of making us feel special, you know, we, we, we're, that, that we're on a team and that team's always in for the, you know, the fight of its life, whatever team it is that you're on, that you see reflected. And then there's these attitudes and talking points and the issues that make up the uniform that your team wears. And, like any good team, your team has enemies. You know, people, those people. And they wear the different uniforms. And, and then we remember, oh yeah, we hate them. You know, you're having a normal day. You're running errands, listening to music talking to your friends on the phone, and you start scrolling, and the mirror reminds you that you were wasting all this time being normal and that there are people out there that need to be hated. Right? 
Here's another one, uh, another reflection that we see back. I'm in competition with every person on this planet, and I'm losing. Everyone else's life's together. Mine's a mess. That's what we see in the mirror. Everybody else looks cute, and I don't. Somehow, everybody else's clothes fit them perfectly, and mine don't. Everybody's killing it in their career, and there's several super successful side hustles, and influencing, and content creating, and all the other cool buzzwords, and I'm not. We look into that mirror, and we say, everybody else's family's perfect, and somehow, everybody has a Hallmark Channel life, and you know, mine's a late night USA network. <laughs> These are bad mirrors. But that's what we do. We're finding ourselves, right? I mean, you know what we've been doing for a long time. We're looking around to see who it is we are and how are we reflected. And all of that is distorting, and, and it results in anxiety and discouragement. It can make you feel hopeless and worried. And it is the exact opposite of what God has given you and intends for you. If you just look real quickly at verse 16, he says, Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope, through grace. How do, how do we look into a mirror? Well, what's the mirror we look into so that the result is eternal comfort and good hope? Well, this, this helps us this morning. Look at these verses again, 13 and 14. This is a good mirror. You want to know who you are as a believer? Do you want to see your reflection rightly? Here's a great place to start. Verse 13, he says, you are beloved by God. So, underline that. So, okay, who am I? All right, one, beloved by God. That's who you are. I, I, I'm loved by God. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said here. He said, you were always beloved of God. He did not begin to love you when you first re repented and turned to him. He saw you in the glass of his eternal purpose, and he loved you then. And that love he proved many centuries before you knew anything about it. He gave the fullest proof of his affection for you in laying down his life for you. That there was nothing in you to merit this wondrous self-sacrifice on the part of Christ. On the contrary. He loved you when you were his enemies. When you profaned his holy name and despised his sacrifice after you learned what he did. But he gave himself for you. Because from eternity... He had loved you with a love that would not be turned from its purpose by anything that he foresaw would be done by you. Isn't that great? Here's a great reminder. You are beloved by God. And it is not a conditional love. 
You're not loved by God because you've done a, a, a right thing or a number of right things or because you haven't done some wrong thing. No, you're loved by God because he chose to love you. And that wasn't dependent on what you've done or haven't done. If you're a believer this morning, this is something you need to settle. See, you're looking in the mirrors that are saying, you know what, I'm unlovable. I, I can't be loved. There's, there's too many things that I have done in my life or there's too much shame that I feel or too, much, too many things I just remember. There's no way I could really truly be loved by God. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm somewhat liked by God. I mean, I'm tolerated by him. I don't know. You're beloved by God. Now look at the next phrase that's in there. Beloved by God because God chose you as the first fruits, or probably better that word's translated, chose you from the beginning to be saved. You're chosen by God. That this is intentional. That the word chose there means out of his own delight. You were chosen. You were wanted. It could be translated treasured. So bound up in this statement are, are you know, the, uh, the, the ideas, the theology of God's sovereign election. And Paul's giving thanks for this. He's not explaining it here. And he's not explaining it away. He's giving thanks for it. You know, the reality is, I, I think it would probably take all of eternity for us to be, you know, for, for the full explanation, all of eternity for the full explanation of the wonderful meaning and the depths of God's love bound up in that statement right there. You were chosen. From the beginning, to be saved. Think about what that means. You're saved. I mean, not just from hell, although it means that, certainly. But you're saved also from the eternal effects of sin. You're saved from guilt and from the power of sin, although we still endure sin's presence in this life. You were saved from your doubts and your fears and your troubles, and though you may still struggle with all of them, at the end of the day, you are saved from them. Look at the next statement. Those who are beloved by God, you, you believers here this morning, because God chose you as the first fruits or, or from the beginning to be saved through, now notice this, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So, 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 not only do you have the joy and the happiness of being saved, but also the holiness that comes with salvation. So, I w w would say to you this morning, if you're seeing these words and you think, I, these are just words on a page to me. 
Well, let me encourage you. Spend some time here. You know, if you, if you think, I, if I needed to memorize something, here are two good verses to memorize. To think about when you're at the stoplight. To remind yourself when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed. The more you peer into this, the, the more vivid it becomes. Sanctification by the Spirit. This is not just the happiness of being saved. It's the holiness of salvation. It means you're set apart. It means you're, you are marked out. So, so sanctification, when that word's used, it can refer to the finished work of holiness. It can also refer to the progressive work in progress of holiness. The, the already not yet. The, the already aspect of, of sanctification, of holiness, you're, you're holy and you're perfect and you're dazzling and you're pure because you are clothed with the perfection and beauty, the righteousness of Jesus. You're all those things already. And not quite yet, in your monthly, weekly, daily, hourly experience. You're not experiencing everything that you already are. You are now, as a believer, in the process of becoming who you are, who you already are. But notice, this isn't something you're doing all by yourself. You're not left alone. He says through sanctification, by the Spirit, God is doing this. He's transforming you. And not only the Spirit's work, but then how do we participate? Belief or faith in the truth are cooperating with the Spirit. Faith is the sail that we use to enjoy the wind power of the Spirit. See, some of you think faith is like some oars. Like you're in this boat of Christianity and faith is these, you know, I've, I've got these oars and I'm supposed to paddle the boat against the wind in the high raging storm and that's what your Christian life feels like. And yet what Paul's saying here is that's not the way it is at all. It's a sailboat. And faith is this sail that you put up to catch the power of the wind of God working in your life. And, and this truth that you're believing in, that you're having faith in, that you're trusting in, this is the truth of God's Word, like we're doing right now. We're looking into the mirror of God's Word. We're, we're underlining, we're highlighting, we're reading, we're, we're meditating, and then we're believing it's not enough just to read this and to understand this. We've got to say, okay, I believe this. I'm going to believe this. I'm going to believe that this is what God has done for me and to me. Having faith that what God has revealed in His Word is absolutely true, even when I don't feel like it. Even when I have trouble believing it. Now, look at this next one. You get into verse 14. So, so you, you make a note of this? This is who you are, by the way. Listen, I know some of you, you spend, you spend a lot of time, you know, thinking, oh, I wonder who I am. Well, here you are. Look at verse 14. Yeah, to this end, 
to, to this. He called you through our gospel. You were called. So, so your mind, your heart, your ears, your eyes, all became tuned to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus. And you were, you were called to this. My daughter is getting married in a matter of weeks. I mean, we're like we're in the countdown. We're under 50 days. It's super fun. And it is. Uh, so you keep saying that out loud. It's going to be true. And uh, it is, but it is huge fun. And her and her fiance, uh, Maggie's my daughter, McKendry's my future son-in-law. And uh, they were here several weeks ago. And they were looking at our wedding album, Leslie and I's wedding album. And then um, I went and got, I pulled out the engagement pictures. Now, listen, back in the early 90s, all right? So, like, now you take pictures, and they're for the sole purpose of putting them out there somewhere so people can like them. Back then, I mean, you just had, like, a few pictures. It didn't even have digital uh, cameras. And, and then you just got, like, a little book. And here are eight pictures, you know? And you spend all afternoon. It's like, oh, Here's my eight pictures no one is ever going to see, um, except when your children grow up, and then you show them to them. And so, I mean, we were looking at these pictures, the wedding pictures and the engagement pictures, and it was so fun. I mean, I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, man, okay, that's how we got here. Look at that kid. He didn't know anything. But this is how we got here. I looked at that and I thought, man, this grace. Chosen or called through the gospel, called through the gospel. It's this reminder that the, that the gospel, this good news of Jesus called us. There was a beginning to this that when we heard the word of Christ, the good news of what Jesus had done, that there was a time or a, a, a length of time that that began to sink in and, and we believed it and, and it began to reorient and reprioritize how we thought and viewed life and we realized that something radically shifted in our relationship with God when we believed that. And so that's why we rehearse the gospel when we're together. It's remembering Listen, we have to do that all of the time. Jesus knew this. This is why when he left the, you know, the two, the baptism and communion for the church to observe, he knew we would need these very physical things to do to remember the good news of what Jesus has done. And in both of those practices, they're images, they're it's like a play. It's, it's the theater that we're working out and, and remembering and putting on display what it is that Jesus had done. That's what we remember in our preaching. It's what we remember in counseling with one another. We remind ourselves all the time of this good news. Well, so notice there's a, a so that, a, a, a purpose for all of this. So that you may obtain... The glory of our Lord 
Jesus Christ. So what is that? Well, I think it it encompasses several things. I think there's glory in the resurrection. So there will be a day that we are resurrected. If if we're not here to see the return of the Lord's coming, our bodies will be resurrected. There's also this, this glory that happens at the moment of Christ's return, and then there's glory for eternity. I mean, so resurrection, there's this glory that says, look, death is not the last word in any believer's life. It's not the last word. In Christ's return, you find what Paul writes is, listen, we'll see him and we will marvel. We looked at that in 1 Thessalonians. And then John said, we'll be like him. And then there's this glory that we'll share in for eternity. I mean, listen, you're loved so much. You're loved so much that that our Lord wasn't satisfied, isn't satisfied until we share His glory forever. I mean, God is not content for you to feel a little bit of comfort and happiness for the relatively few days of your life here in the midst of a totally broken world. And some of you, that's all you're aiming for. I just, I just want to be comfortable. I just want to be, I just want to feel happy. Well, the world now, think of it like this. It's kind of like a dorm room, all right? Where we have a place to sleep, study, hang out with friends, get away from our parents. I mean, dorm rooms are great. They accomplish a lot. And usually, first time you get to live away from home, and that's so cool. But dorm rooms are not forever. Your complete happiness and comfort are not the goal of the dorm. Your college dorm. I mean, nobody wants to go. Listen, there will never be a moment in eternity. Some, you find some, of the, some of you find this hard to believe. There will never be a moment when eternity comes, that you'll look back and go, man, I sure miss 2023. We could just go back there. There'll never be that moment. Oh, there'll be memories and relationships and and people, and we'll be thankful for all of the time that we spent and the, and the good works that God had prepared beforehand that we walked in by faith. We'll be glad and celebrate all of those things, but we'll never for one moment say, man, wasn't 2020 fun? I wish we could just do that over again. Never. It's the dorm room. We're preparing for something greater. So there's stuff now that we endure. We aren't settling or looking to be satisfied with a little bit of heaven here. I mean, look, it's great. Enjoy it. But this is not heaven. Jesus is preparing a place for you, paradise forever. And all of this... Beloved and 
chosen and sanctified and called. All of this is so that we would obtain, we could share in, we could possess forever the glory that Jesus wants to share with us. This is a better mirror, right? This is a better view. This is the accurate, right view of who we are as believers and all that God has done for us. And so, when we pray to God, when we give thanks to God, when we go to God in our hours of need or, or um, uh, you know, we, we don't know what to do, and, and we seek His guidance and His counsel and His intervention. And so, we, this is who we are, going to our Father who's done all of this for us. Now, look at a couple more verses with me. Look at verse 15. So then, brothers, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So, so then, but because of what God's done, stand firm and hang on. Look last week, the beginning of chapter 2 here, and the mystery of lawlessness that is at work around us, you know, and just below the surface of existence everywhere. And we need an anchor. We need to cling to something for our dear life. Paul's like, he's giving this tornado warning. Take shelter in the traditions that you were taught. I'm going to tell you what those words are in just a second. But you need something that's anchored deep. You know, that's unchanging, unmovable, that's eternal. And too many people are trying to hang on to lawn chairs when the wind blows. What he's talking about is he's talking about God's Word. And so, at the time Paul's writing, Paul, you know, Peter, he says it and he goes, you know, Paul, he's, he says some things, he writes some things. It's really hard for us to understand. But he knew, Peter knew, he recognized that, man, when Paul spoke and when Paul wrote that these were the very words of God. It's why it's been preserved for us in the church. Spoken by Jesus as recorded in the Gospels or the apostolic word. It's recorded by the biblical writers. That's the tradition that we pass on. Since the close of the canon, since the end of Revelation. It's not traditions in the sense that, you know, you wear a coat and tie, or you have a choir that sings, or, you know, the carpet has to be blue, or nobody can get saved, or whatever it is. Not those kinds of traditions. What we're speaking about is the Word of God as it's passed on from one generation to the next. Now, look, truth expressed Verse 16 and 17, now may the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope uh, through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Now, truth not just digested, but truth expressed, experienced, lived out and in what you do and in what you say. So, I know people who believe. I do. But there's no expression of that belief. 
In fact, the way they talk, the, the way they live their life, it seems they expend a tremendous amount of energy trying to suppress that. Eternal comfort, good hope, these are things we are meant to share. Comfort those with the comfort you received, Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Hope does not disappoint, we find in Romans 5. We are the light of the world shining in the darkness. Listen, you stare too long in the wrong mirror, you start expressing what it is that you're looking at. You're experiencing life in distortion that you've come to believe. This is my Bible teaching. This is the foundation of a healthy church, a healthy Christianity, truth that we stand in and we cling to. But, it, but in and of itself, it's not complete. We have to express that. We have to live that out. We have to serve others and love one another and live out all the one another's of the New Testament, that we do that together. Well, real quickly, verses, chapter 3 moves right into the next chapter. The chapter break's probably unfortunate. But he goes from giving thanks for them and praying for them and saying, hey, finally, would you pray for us, Paul says. And that's not uncommon for Paul. Often he, he communicates to the churches that he planted and that he writes to. He said, pray for me. Pray, pray for the ministry that God's called us to. Here in verse 1 specifically, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And, and that we'd be delivered from the wicked and evil men. Just not everybody has faith. But the Lord's faithful. He'll establish you and he'll guard you and keep you from the evil one. We have confidence about this. We pray about it, but we have confidence in it that you're doing and will do the commands, the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Paul asks for prayer. See, it would be ridiculous for me to, to stand up and to read this and to teach through this and not say this morning to you, would you pray for your pastors and your elders? Would you pray for them? Would you pray for me? As much as you need and want and covet the prayers of your pastors and your elders, that is reciprocal. Pray for their ministry. Pray for my ministry. Here's something that you can specifically pray for me about. I don't see anybody getting out of pen to be able to write this down. It's all right. Be easy to remember. Here's something you can specifically pray for me about. This summer, about five weeks from now, I am, by the grace of, of our elders, the trustee elder board, I am going to take a, a three-month sabbatical where I'm going to sort of step away from all the responsibilities I have on a week-to-week -week basis for ministry and refresh and recharge after 20 years of ministry and 
spend time praying and spend time in, in some silence and finishing up some writing I have to finish up and uh, looking forward to the, to the next season, this next, you know, half of, of my life and the ministry that God's called me to here. And so you can pray for that time. You can pray that the other guys around here won't burn this joint down while I'm gone. Actually, I've never seen the staff more excited uh, about anything. And here at South Campus, we have a great summer plan. You're going to love this. Nobody's going to want me to come back. But you can pray for that. Here's something else that Paul wants him to do. Something else I would piggyback on and say, I'd love for you to. Live out the truth that you believe. We spend a lot of time here on a Sunday morning, and we spend a lot of time in our Bible studies and our life groups, and we make a great deal about and care a great deal about God's Word being taught and God's Word being understood. And I want to say this morning, if if that's all it is, but it's not being lived out and expressed in your life, you're missing. You're not closing the loop on what it means to live out your Christianity. Gaze into the mirror of God's Word. Become more and more familiar with who you are because of what God has done. And I look forward to seeing, listen, there's a people that do that. How God continue, will continue to set us apart and give us opportunity and make the light that we have shine really bright in the world that's dark. If you would bow with me, let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you do those things that only you can do in our hearts and our minds and Father, you'd heal those things in us that only you can heal. That, that, Father, you'd transform us in ways that we can never transform ourselves. And, and that we would, we'd believe that you're doing that. We trust that you're doing that. And we set our sail to, to take hold of how the Spirit's moving in our life, in our family, in our small groups, in our church, our campuses. And that, Father, with great expectation, we'd live out these things that we believe. Father, maybe somebody here, I'm sure there is. It's never gazed into this mirror before of what a believer is and all the things that you have done. And they've never done that. They never believed that for themselves. Father, I pray you'd open their eyes and ears right now. That they'd see that. And they'd believe it. Trusting in your son, Jesus, as the one who 
paid the price for our sin, who died our death, who rose from the grave and offers us eternal life, and that, Father, that would be believed this morning, maybe for the very first time. We ask all this the only way we can. In the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Spirit, amen.